Our passage this morning is John 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of God. Please be seated. I know we just prayed, but allow me to just pray one more time. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this week that you have given to us. And we come before you, as your word says, as blessed people, as people whose transgressions have been forgiven, as people whose sin has been covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and that's how we come before you this morning if we have trusted in Christ. And that is the hope that we hold to. We hold to Christ because of the forgiveness forgiveness of sins that he offers to this world through his death and resurrection. Father, this morning, would it not just be another sermon about missions that goes in one ear and out the other, but would we seriously consider our lives and seriously consider Christ, whom you sent to die on the cross, for whoever would believe in him. You sent your son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Would that rest on our hearts, would that tug our hearts to proclaim the gospel whenever we can, because we know that that there are eternal souls who are on their way to an eternal hell without trusting in this Christ. Have mercy on this world, have mercy on us, be gracious to us, help us not to be cowards, help us not to be foolish with our lives, help us not to waste our lives, but help us to seriously consider the life that you have given to us. Help us, God, during this time as we go to your word. Pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So good morning, once again, Redeemer Bible Fellowship. It is my pleasure and my privilege to be up here this morning to preach to you for the first time after a long time. You have been very kind and generous, and I thank you for that. This morning we turn to hopefully a familiar text in scripture, John 3.16, a passage perhaps you have heard many, many times. The truth of this passage is clear, that whoever believes in Christ should not perish but have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, do you believe this truth for yourself? Do you ponder upon this truth that whoever believes in Christ shall not perish but have eternal life? If you're not a believer today, do you ponder this truth for yourself? Do you consider your coworkers, your unsafe family members, your mom, your dad who does not know Christ for the multitudes of unreached people in this world? In our passage, there is the sobering truth of condemnation, yes. 
But don't for a second miss the truth of salvation available for all who believe, for all who trust in Christ. This morning, I have four points I want to walk us through in our passage. Number one, life, verses 16 to 17. Number two, death, verse 18. Number three, judgment, verse 19 to 20. And lastly, number four, God's glory, verse 21. This brings us to our first point, and I ask that you please follow along in your Bibles in verses 16 to 17. Life. In verse 16, we see an amazing truth, namely, that God so loved the world. Based on my understanding, I take the world here to mean humanity in general, as one lexicon notes. Or another resource notes that the world refers to the inhabitants of the world and to the ungodly multitude, all who are alienated by God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. In our modern culture, when we love someone, we genuinely, generally maybe give them a gift, maybe we'll spend time with them, or maybe we'll propose to that girl or boy that we love and want to marry. However, as a result of God's love for the world in this passage, for sinful man, for sinful humanity in general, what does he do? Our text says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Or the giving of his son may be the manner in which God showed his love to the world, as your ESV may note. For this is how God loved the world. How did he love the world? By sending his own son. That's the way he loved the world. He gave his only son. But brothers and sisters, in this text, what is the purpose of God giving his son? In verse 16, we can see that the purpose of God giving his son is so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Don't miss the purpose of this text here. You know, many parents may love their children by doing various things for them. They may feed them lots of food, save money for the education, maybe go to a different land so that their children may have better opportunities and better education and freedom. Many parents do this out of love for their children because they love them. However, in an infinitely greater way, how does God show his love to his people? Or as a result of his love, what does God do? He gives his only son, Jesus Christ, he sacrifices his own son. He, he gives his son to die on the cross. But he doesn't give his son for his obedient child. He doesn't give his son for his kind or nice son or daughter. Rather, he gave Christ to this rebellious and evil world, to us, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, brothers and sisters, God loves this world. This doesn't mean everyone will be saved as we will later see, but it means that whoever, whoever believes in Christ can and will be saved. That's the provision that God has given to this world, to have eternal life. Don't miss the purpose of this. It is a great and wonderful purpose of God. Jesus Christ was given to this world so that anyone who trusts in him will have everlasting life rather than everlasting death. In verse 17, we can see a further explanation of verse 16. In verse 16, we can see that John emphasizes eternal life over perishing. And here in verse 17, 
we again see a contrast of namely Christ, who was sent not to condemn, but instead that the world would be saved. Saved through Christ himself. Salvation was and is on the mind of God. Christ could have been sent in this in his first advent, in his first coming, to simply send everyone to hell, and he would be just to do so, because we deserve that. However, he was sent instead in order that the world might be saved through him, as our text shows. God's purpose for sending his very own son was to provide salvation for whoever believes in Christ, to bring salvation to sinful humanity. John repeats it again. This is good news for our unsafe friends, This is good news for our unsafe families, for unsafe people all over the world. The truth is that there is a way of salvation that is open. God has opened the way to life through Christ. He has not left us as we deserve. Brothers and sisters, Christ has come. He has died. He has risen. Salvation is found in him and in him alone. Make him known in the earth. Make him known to the nations. This brings us to our second point. Death, verse 18. Indeed, as we have already seen in verses 16 to 17, there's life for all who believe in Jesus Christ. In God's only Son, whom he sent to die for eternal life and for salvation. Therefore, in light of all we have seen before, we can come to the beginning of verse 18 and say, Therefore, therefore, whoever believes in him is not condemned. What's the reason for this? Well, verse 16 and 17 show that that reason. Because God loved the world and gave his son to the world to provide salvation for the world, for whoever believes in him. So there's a great and logical inference here in the beginning of verse 18, namely that whoever believes in him is not condemned. This is true. This is great. And we do well not to forget that. Nevertheless, we get to the rest of verse 18, which provides us with another truth, yet this time, a sobering truth. Yes, there is life for all who believe, but there's condemnation and death for whoever does not believe in Jesus Christ. Whoever does not trust in Christ, whoever does not turn from sin, whoever is not transformed by Christ, stands condemned. They remain in their sin. Those who do not do not believe at this moment, are living and breathing as condemned sinners. They have not been transformed by the gospel. They have not heard the gospel. John 3.36, a little further down, says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, for the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God remains There is life through faith in Christ, but there is death and wrath and condemnation for for those who do not believe in Christ in this life. This is the truth that we see. In fact, everyone who does not trust in Christ at this very moment is under the wrath of God. And everyone who died rejecting Christ in this life and not knowing God and not knowing Christ will be under the wrath of God forever. At the end of this world, Those who existed after Christ and did not trust in Christ, who never got to hear of Christ during the lifetime, will remain in hell for eternity under the wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, condemnation and judgment is not something that angry Christians simply made up because they wanted to. 
It's not a doctrine that we like to play around with and, and fool around with and simply talk about willy-nilly. This is a truth from Scripture. Condemnation, hell, eternity, this is from the Word of God. Eternal hell awaits and is destined for all who do not trust in Christ in this life. God sent Jesus for salvation to all who believe. And verse 18 also gives us the reason or further reason for their condemnation. It is, as verse 18 says, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If someone does not believe in God's only Son in this life, then they cannot be saved. They cannot be transformed. He is the only way. There's no other name, no other son of God to believe in. There's no other way of salvation from God himself. It doesn't matter how many professors, how many friends, how many PhD students or philosophers may have told you otherwise, have told you that all religions lead to God, all religions lead to heaven. They're wrong. That's simply not true as much as we may want it to be true. It's not true. Condemnation awaits all who do not trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 17 already showed us that. Salvation is through Christ. It's through Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are the words of Christ. Jesus says this, not me. Jesus makes it clear that he is the only way to God. Salvation is found in him alone. There is no other name no other God, no other mediator, no, no other perfect savior who can take away our sin and absorb the wrath of God on our behalf. So RBF, I need to ask you, does this weigh on your heart? Do you ponder and know this truth for yourself? Or do you think to yourself, it's okay, maybe God will just work it out in the end. But God has made it clear in this passage what will happen what the truth is for those who do not believe in his only son, that they are condemned already. Consider a place such as India, which according to Joshua Project has over 1.3 billion people. And by subtracting the amount of Christians in that area, in that region, that we can still know that there are over 1.2 billion people who still do not trust in Christ. Out of 1.3 billion people in India, there are 1.2 billion people who are on their way to an eternal hell. The truth of the matter is that there are many people in this world, not just India, not just North Africa, not just East Asia, all over the world, many unreached people groups, any, many unreached peoples that do not have access to the gospel. And if this truth of Scripture is true, then that's bad news. That's not good. Brothers and sisters, what is their hope in this world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Don't forget this. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God but through Christ. If you are a Christian this morning, consider bringing the gospel to, yes, your coworkers, yes, your families and friends, but I challenge you to consider bringing the gospel to also unreached areas of the world, even places that might be dangerous, because they need the gospel. They need to hear of Christ today before it's too late. Consider that, brothers and sisters.
Allow me now to head into our next point. Judgment, number three, judgment, verses 19 to 20. Indeed, we live in a sinful and evil and dark world. We can know this not simply because of our lived experiences, not simply because of the news we watch or our observations about this world, but we can know this because of what our text says in verse, verses 19 and 20. John writes here of the truth of the world, the judgment or the verdict, namely that the light has come into the world. This is true. Christ has come, the light of the world, the promised Messiah has come. Salvation has come. D.A. Carson says, Jesus as the light of the world is the objectification of divine holiness and purity. Another commentary notes that there are moral connotations here. Christ, the savior of the world, the perfect son of God, the one full of grace and truth has come into the world. But our text shows that the people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. The world rejects what is good, what is true, what is perfect, what is pure, what is morally upright. Because the world does what is evil. They love what is evil. We hate wickedness. Furthermore, in verse 20, we see that those who do wicked things, namely all of us, hates the light and does not come to the light. What's the purpose for not coming to the light? So that their works, their evil works, should not be exposed. Probably very few of us like to be told that we are wrong, much less that we are evil and sinners. Have you ever told someone that? You may have been met with hostility. What do you mean I'm a sinner? What do you mean I'm wicked? What do you mean I'm on my way to hell? I'm a decent person compared to that other guy. But this is not true. The truth is that peop the people of this world and all of us without Christ, without the light, do what is evil, what is wicked. We love the darkness. We hate the light. The world hates the light. The world hates Christ. We don't want to be told we do evil and that we do wicked things and that we love the darkness. How dare you say that? But it's the truth. We want to be left alone. We want to continue in our wickedness. We, we want to love the darkness and remain in our darkness. Don't shine the light on my darkness. We are evil people who do evil and wicked things. As evil people who do evil things, we hate the opposite of what evil is. We, we hate the light. The world hates the light. We, we hate Christ. The world hates him. We have all at one point or even currently hate him. If you're sitting here now and you know you have been saved by grace, you have trusted in Christ, then you know this is the reality of the rest of the world who does not know Christ. Evil people doing evil things just as we were, hating and rejecting the light just as we were, and rejecting Christ. This is a sobering reality of the world's response to the light, to what is pure, what is good, what is morally upright, and to Christ himself, to God. And this brings us to our fourth and last point, God's glory, verse 21. We have just seen Scripture's declaration over the world, its verdict over the world, as the NIV says. Evil and wickedness are preferred over life, over light. The world as it is naturally loves the darkness and what is evil. However, however, 
we come to verse 21, which seems to say something contrary to verses 19 to 20. Not contradicting, but presents us with another truth that can bring hope to our souls. Verse 21 says, but whoever does, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. Didn't John just say that people love the darkness and that their works are evil? That they hate the light? Well, perhaps this would be highly confusing if we didn't see the purpose statement that comes after this sentence. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. Why? What's the purpose? So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. From this passage, it is indeed possible to do what is true and go to Christ, to go to the light, since this passage seems to show that it is actually God who does this great work, who allows people and causes people to go to the light. The purpose of doing what is true and going to the light is to point to the work of God in the one who does what is true. Doing what is true here may point not only to what is true, but also uprightness, as one lexicon notes, or as D.A. Carson understands how this expression can mean to act faithfully or to do and act honorably. Therefore, people can do what is true. People can do what is right, and they can go to Christ in this life. They can go to the light because God can cause that to happen and carry these works out in himself. If it wasn't for God's intervention, we would all remain in darkness, wouldn't we? No human on their own can do what is true. No human on their own can go to the light and go to Christ on their own. But with the help of God, with the gracious work of God, they can. And when and if someone eventually does what is true and goes to the light, God will be the one who gets all the credit. Salvation belongs to God. Goodness belongs to God. People are saved and do what is true and go to the light to glorify God, to point to God's work, to point to God himself. He is the mastermind behind salvation, not us. All we did was sin. St. Helen's Bishop Gate says, verse 21 makes it clear that those who do accept the gospel do so only by God's merciful intervention. Once again, we come back and we say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Salvation is available to all who would believe. The world is not left without hope, but make no mistake, if someone is saved, when people go to Christ, it won't be because of our great preaching ability, because of our great articulation, or great life, though those things are important, uh, upright and moral life, preaching the gospel, those are important, but it will be ultimately because of God who saves. He is the one who changes hearts, not us. And therefore, people can be saved and people can believe in Christ because of God. This is a good thing for us to understand. So once again, I say go and share the gospel. Consider the unreached people of the world. Give glory to God when and if someone is saved because he saved them. And he makes it possible for salvation, salvation to come. So in application, I just want to ask a question. Do you think it's foolish when people dedicate their lives to go to places such as Afghanistan or Iraq or North Africa to East Asia to 
dedicate their lives to proclaim the gospel to the unreached people there, where it's dangerous, where the government is against them, where people may seek to kill them? Is it foolish? Well, as our passage says, whoever believes in Christ, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Through Christ alone, they are saved. So though it may be dangerous to go to unreached areas of the world, though it may be difficult right now, though there may be a pandemic looming over our heads, we know that it's not foolish to go to the unreached. It's not for nothing to go to the unreached because our passage says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son for them. If they believe in them, they can be saved for whoever believes. Whoever believes shall be saved and have eternal life and not eternal death. So brothers and sisters, if you were to choose to go on missions, if you believe God was calling you to missions, then know that it is not a foolish thing. Sure, you can go about it in foolish ways. You can do silly things and discern wrong. But if you discern correctly through the church, through an internal and external calling, through wise men and women speaking into your lives, and you decide and you understand that God is calling you to missions, to the mission field, know that it's not foolish. And that's what I ask of you this morning, to consider Consider your life. Consider if God is calling you to missions. I know perhaps for many of you, God has called you to remain perhaps or to work where you're working. But think once again, is God calling you to the mission field? Is he calling you to the unreached people of this world? It's not foolish. It's not frivolous. It's not silly to do such a thing. It's not bad or dumb to bring your family to a dangerous part of the world. Yes, there is wisdom needed. But once again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So discern well, brothers and sisters. For those of you who are not called to missions, consider how you might be a great witness where you are and send others to missions. California, Toronto, they're both dark places of the world, who hate the light, hate Christ, love their sin, work with the goal to bring the gospel to whoever you can, to your coworkers, develop strong relationships, invite them up to barbecues, invite them to your home, open up your lives to them, show them what it means to be a Christian, because they need the gospel too. Over time, use wisdom and discernment to share the gospel, to share the truth of Christ who died on the cross for their sin, your coworker who sits beside you every day, your coworker you, you see on Zoom every morning, they need the gospel too. Don't think for a second that if God hasn't called you to missions, that you are off the hook. Every Christian, every believer is called to proclaim the gospel, to di make disciples, to teach of Christ. That includes everyone in this room who is saved. So do the best you can and trust in God to save. And lastly, brothers and sisters, friends, if you are sitting here and you do not know Christ, you have not trusted in Christ yet, then your priority is not to go on missions. Your priority is to not cross the culture to proclaim about Christ because you do not know Christ. 
your priority this morning is to get right with God. To get right with God. To trust in Christ. God created all that we see. He created this world. He's the creator over all things and we are all accountable to him as one author says. Yet we have all sinned against this God grievously. We have all rebelled against this God with our whole hearts. We hate God. And we deserve eternal hell. And if he were to send us all to hell, that is just and right of him to do. Because that's what we deserve against the holy God. Yet, as our passage shows, as this word and our scripture shows over and over again, that God loves this world and he sent Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, to live the life you should have lived, to live the life I should have lived, and he died the death that we should have died on a cross absorbing the wrath of God, absorbing the sin and the evil of man. He took it upon himself and he died for that sin. Three days later, he came back to life. He resurrected so that whoever trusts in Christ and in Christ alone, not in the other religions of this world, not in your own works, not in our own works, not in our own doing, but in Christ alone, in his sufficient atonement on the cross, can be saved, can have everlasting life, can have eternal life, can have the wrath of God diverted from them, and have everlasting joy with God, with Christ for all eternity, with no sickness, no pain, and no sadness. This is the truth of the gospel that you, brothers and sisters, you friends, if you do not know Christ, need to take in for yourself. Do you believe in Christ this morning? Do you see the words and the promises of Scripture that whoever believes in Christ shall not be condemned, but sh shall be saved, have eternal life? So trust in God this morning. Trust in Christ for the salvation of your souls. And for those of, those of you who are saved, be eager to share Christ in all that you do this upcoming week. Please, please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for the hope that we could find in your word and we can find in your word, we would, we would be hopeless. We would be lost for all eternity. We would be stuck in our sin. There would be no hope for our mom, for our dad, for our brother, for our sister, for ourselves. Without Christ, without your word, without your promises, there would be no hope. But we see, in fact, in your word this morning and throughout scripture, there is great hope. There is great life available to all who would believe in Christ and in Christ alone. Would we take heed to these promises? Would we hold fast to Christ and to the cross? And for those of us who do not know Christ this morning, help us open our eyes. Open our hearts, open our rebellious eyes to see our sinfulness and to see the preciousness of the perfect Christ who has already come and died and resurrected for our sin and for whoever would believe in him for salvation. God, would the nations and unreached people all over the world rest heavy on our heart this morning. We live in a comfortable world. We live sometimes in a problem-free world here. We, we worry about things that don't really matter. We think about things that don't really matter. We're worried about our investments, we're worried about our cars, about our houses, we're worried about uh, the pavement on the floor, I don't know. We're worried about things 
that have no eternal consequence. But help us to think and consider the nations about those who have no access to the gospel. That is something to think about. Something worthy to be on our minds. The salvation of Christ, the good news of Christ, that is something also infinitely worthy to be on our minds. So help us to ponder it and ponder it often. And we pray all these things, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.